We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to Broncos for Breakfast with Nick Kendall and Scott Kennedy. Welcome in, welcome in. It is Tuesday morning, October 3rd, and it's time for an episode of Broncos for Breakfast. I am Nick Kendall and joined by, as always, Scott Kennedy. Scott, thanks for uh, hosting for me for uh, yesterday, holding down the fort. I was out in a not very explored area uh, on the central in the central area of Washington called the Shilan Sawtooth area. And Watch it is your language. Shilan Sawtooth. And uh, it's famous for these uh, these trees that turn this crazy golden color in October. The the Alpine larch, which is the only deciduous conifer in the world. So uh, pretty darn cool. I was out there in these this like otherworldly golden trees that are golden pine trees. So pretty cool. That's that is that's really cool. Mine just turn brown and cover everything at pine straw down here in the south. No, Peach trees, like, cool. pine trees, pollen, traffic, you know. The usual stuff. Traffic's everywhere now, though. No, it's good to have you back. We hung out yesterday. We had a good day. We had a, a busy chat. Uh, didn't quite get to everybody, unfortunately. So we'll make up make it up to some of y'all today. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, let's say hello to some folks coming in. Kevin Gray, morning, Nick and Scott, big mile high salute to you guys. We got Jeremy Sean in here saying morning, boys. From the fans' perspective, I think expectations would change a bit if we beat the jet the Jets, but really change if we beat KC. But with Vance, it ain't gonna happen. Yeah, probably not. I mean, God, it took a pretty big comeback f- to beat the Bears, and that's a pretty incompetent team. David Youngkin coming in here saying, don't know how it changes. We beat a team that is just as bad as us in so no playoffs, so we may not make it to 500. Making it to 500, uh, even the, the might, to me, would be a change in expectations, Scott. Uh, and I guess just kind of getting into some of the stuff here. But first, we got to say hello to our Super Chats, of course. Troy coming in 999 saying, hey, guys, any news on the players we get back this week? Simmons, Browning, Locke, Williams, Jewel, Purcell, Clark, Dulcich, Palszewski. Love what Mims and McLaughlin are going doing going forward. As far as the guys coming back from injury, I think the soonest we'll hear anything about that will be Wednesday, unless something happened while I was gone and get back until late last night. But that's when the injury report comes out first. So I'm guessing Wednesday for news on that. Dulcich was a week after, so he's got one more week to go. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't, he wasn't, he played week one. So guys that started on the, on the pup or, uh, injured reserve are able to come mm-hmm. off this week. He wasn't one of those guys. Um, they haven't said anything about Javante. They're not going to until the injury report. They haven't said anything about anybody, uh, until then. So if Browning's back at practice. Got a chance. We will see. He hasn't done anything in months, months. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, you're hoping, Hey, maybe I can get him up to speed in the middle. If we break it into quarters, maybe the second quarter of the season 
if he's back, get him up to speed. And then the second half of the season, maybe he's playing really well and hopefully he doesn't get hurt again then. Knock on wood, man. Uh, yeah, I you think... Need Purcell. You need Purcell as much as any of those guys. I swear you do. I mean, Jewel and Simmons, too. The back seven is just completely mm-hmm. spineless without those guys. I mean, Singleton makes splash plays, but I think for the integrity of the defense, you really need both of those guys. Um, All so, those guys could help. Uh, yeah. Except, you know, maybe Palsposki. Palsposki <laughs> or whatever. I haven't, I haven't learned his name. He, he's not going to be playing anytime soon, so I haven't paid too close attention to him. Frank Clark would help. You only had three edges go for the most part uh, the other day. You want to have three to five, I mean, four to five mm-hmm. uh, rotated in and out of there, and you really only played three. Yep. Uh, Josie Jewell's a good football player. Javante, obviously. P.J. Locke would help. He's not a, a huge difference maker. Uh, it would be Browning a huge difference, Andy though. Simmons is. I might argue that P.J. Locke would be a huge difference just because of how bad DeLaire and Turner Yell looks out there. How and much have we seen from P.J. Locke, though, to say that he's an automatic upgrade? That's fair. We have not seen much. I think with how bad DeLaire and Turner Yell has been, that it can't be... I can't imagine it being much worse, but you're right. The sample size to go off of is yeah, minuscule. It's, it's a lot of hearsay. As well. It's it's one of those, Nick, where we're just saying, hey, at least he's not this guy. But that doesn't mean he's significantly better. No, not at all. Well, Troy, thank you so much for the $9.99. Uh, we really do appreciate you. Kevin comes in and says, I enjoyed the win, but we are in core hell. Offense is a little better, but the D isn't very good. A long way to go. Don't know how we fix the D where we're stuck with this crappy bunch. I have been on the, it's not all Vance Joseph's fault, train at on this just because I felt like he was an easy target, but he deserves a heck of a lot of the blame. <laughs> of course, I just want to, you know, to be fair to him, I think it's easy to come in and just like point the finger at one person when guys have one-on-one blocks and they are just not winning Randy Gregory. Uh, but uh, that's something that, uh, yeah, it's a crappy bunch, but there are means to get it fixed. And the one thing that you have going for you right now is that your quarterback is playing pretty darn well, all things considered uh, the stats are great. I mean, there's a few things here or there where the offense gets in a lull and it's like, Russell, you got to make a play, uh, extend the drive, you know, go through your reads and get to that one. Uh, but overall, the quarterback is playing well. And I think the defense is easier to turn around. The biggest issue with the defensive turnaround is that your window to do it in the Russell Wilson time frame is tiny. It is so you don't have a lot left. I mean, you're you're in it right now. You, what do you think, Scott? Two more years, maybe? Okay, we Wilson. had this discussion last night, so I want to okay. get your thoughts on it because okay. all of a sudden Russell Wilson's playing himself into an asset rather than a liability. He's playing well. He's mm-hmm. playing really well where you can say, okay, I want him one more year because the best thing for the long-term future of this team is to be able to, for Russell Wilson to justify at least close mm-hmm. to the salary cap space that he's taking up. Uh, if you have to move on from him and eat a dead cap, it's incredibly detrimental. So... We're talking about all these players that are coming back right here. The offense is playing okay. The offense is doing some good things. There's some pieces it can work, but we're talking four games into uh, a new head coach, new system, et cetera, et cetera, some injuries, all those things. Talking about the players, and yes, I think uh, someone mentioned we didn't talk K1 Williams. Troy, thank you. We didn't talk K1 Williams. He's a huge miss right now. That's what we meant. Javante, both Williams are injury news, K1 and Javante. Javante Williams, uh, K1 Williams. You get Mike Purcell in there. That helps. Browning helps. Simmons. Lock for depth. Riley Moss. Um, I'm probably forgetting somebody. There's six guys on defense that could help this team right now. Now I go into the offseason 
And because I don't have to eat a huge dead cap number and I've got flexibility with some of these guys, maybe I go add three really good free agents in the mold of another team we follow who aren't overly expensive, a David Onyemata type, a, a Caden Ellis type, um, where those guys are coming in. I bring three really good players in on defense. Now my defense looks good again. And oh my God, I'm getting all this hope again from all these offseason moves. It's It's not as bad as it looks. It's you're not as I've God, I've said this for two years now. You're not as far away as it seems. It's just all the moves that you're making. God, they're not working the way you expect them to. It's hard. And it's going to be hard for the Broncos to do it too, because they're up against it in terms of the cap. You talk about adding three guys, we're so gonna to have to take away players first to be able to Tim do Patrick that. comes off. Randy Gregory comes off. There's $20 million right there in, in cap space. I think you're like 13 in the red. So you, then there's only 7 million. But that's that's fairly normal. And then yeah. you, know, you can decide what you want to do with Josie Jewell. You know, yeah. there's there's 7 million dollars. Well, that's um, already off the books though. Cuz you can you can restructure Justin Simmons if you want to add another year to his contract, take his guaranteed money and put it into a, a signing bonus, put him on a 3-year contract and I can knock 15 million dollars off of his cap number yeah. and pay him down the road. Um, so there, it, there would be 30, $40 million in cap flexibility based on some of the guys that, what do I want to do with bowls? He ain't playing on that guy. I could pull another $10 million off of there. Even if I don't move on from him, extend him three years, I'd get $10 million back. There's going to be $40 million out there to play right. with. If you don't have to eat Russ's contract, Cortland Sutton, does he really need to eat that? Do, do I really want him eating up all that cap space? No, there's going to be a move made there. So yeah. there's going to be money if you don't have to eat the con any contract of Russell Wilson, which right now there's no reason to. Let him play one more year. If you can get another year and get get that off the books, you know, uh, Michaela Parker said, you know, why don't we just restructure Russell Wilson next year? And, and that takes care of it. No, 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 no. Get through this contract of his. Get another year off of it if you can. And it will, and get one more productive year out of him if you can at 37 years old, 36 years old. And then things start getting so much easier financially for you. Listen, we all know it's way more fun to be there live for Denver Broncos football. And when you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered. As the official marketplace of the Denver Broncos and the NFL, Ticketmaster gives you more ways to find your perfect seat with a wide selection of tickets available for every game. And if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. Plus, mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze. And you can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors, that beautiful orange and blue. Find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com slash Denver Broncos. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, I, I agree with most of what you said. Uh, can't probably get back in touch on every point. The one. Uh, <laughs> Shut up, Scott. You're talking too much. No, it's just trying to follow. Uh, the one thing that is difficult is that you do have that bonus that kicks in, the guarantees on the fifth year of the league year. So if you essentially, if you keep Wilson. After this year, you're keeping him for two more years, just with how the contract sets up. So that put him into what is 37 age season, 30, something up there. Yeah, so right, and that's a that's a weird window uh, to be in. So I know the contract doesn't really work out to trade Russ cap wise, but you almost wonder if the Broncos are horrible around him and he's playing well, if he would do something f- to make his contract more palatable to be traded. Like right. there's probably something that he would do to move on. He talks about how much he wants to win and it's not totally his fault right now uh, that the Broncos aren't winning. Of course he's playing. He's one of the reasons they are get a win. So uh, I'll be curious to see if anything happens there, if he keeps playing this well, but it's going to be a tough situation to rebuild this D. Uh, Hopefully they can get a better hire. I know that heck maybe Dennis Allen will be on his way out and the saints. Maybe he comes back to Denver. uh, And as somebody uh, obviously where Rashawn Payne had some good defenses there, but we'll follow it. And uh, yeah, this is not a very good Broncos defense right now. I don't know how much you follow. Oh gosh, I don't remember the name. Uh, the probably form, none. Former the deep, the former uh, football outsiders guy. Um, because football outsiders went under. I don't know if you kn- knew that. No, they're they're gone. Um, but the Broncos DVA through four weeks is the single worst through four weeks in since they've started tracking the statistic. Uh, because the Bears are horrible and they made the Bears look great. And giving up seventy points versus the Dolphins is not going to be good. Also, Washington hasn't been. Great. Although they had a fun game against the Eagles this week, uh, but I digress. Uh, it'll be in, uh, interesting to follow how this defense turns around. You talk about turning around, Scott. They can add auxiliary pieces, but I still don't see the true core guys that good to great defenses have other than PS2 and Justin Simmons, who also his window is coming to a close here at some point. Yeah, but you don't you don't have to have the you don't have to have elite players to have a good defense. No. You know, you don't you don't have to have foot. Jeremy says football outsiders, football undersiders. Um, you know, you can. They're playing at a level that is so much worse than where they could be. That that's defensive coordination. Now we have talked about again. What do you if I fired Vance Joseph today? Okay, that's fine. How many really plus players are on that defense right now? Not not very many with all the injuries. Now I bring back those the, those six guys. Uh, some of them will have to be re-signed, but they're not overly expensive. Again, uh, Josie Jules, you're probably overpaying him a little bit right now at six. K1 Williams, I would try and bring him back. Um, he's really cheap. You know, hey, I'm going to double your money. Here's four. Um, that, again, I, I wouldn't necessarily need the superstar players in order to have a good, a good defense, uh, mm-hmm. a top 10 type of defense. If, as long as I've got competent we talk war all the time what's your wins against replacement average or better are you are you above or below 
right now you're negative in a lot of spots. If I can get just average across the board with a couple of real plus guys, I can have a I can have a defense. I could be a playoff team hmm. with this with a defense like that. I think you do need at least one difference maker on the defensive line. And right now I don't see the f- a f- true, you know, three down kind of difference maker out there. Uh, but other than that, I agree with you uh, for the competency and yeah. the depth, which this team lacks both uh, right now. I mean, <laughs> they made Justin Fields look like a goddamn first overall pick. It's just there's going to be some Bears fans are going to ride that f- until the draft saying, remember what Caleb, remember what uh, Justin Fields did in that one game against Denver? We shouldn't take Caleb Williams. Uh I mean, every fan base has those types. Um, Most of them will be saying, hey, maybe we can get something for him now when we draft Caleb Williams. Yeah, that's more likely. Uh, The Sam Darnold kind of uh, path there on that one. uh, The the, the chatter down here in the South is starting to go about that, too. I can imagine. Justin Uh, Fields is from North Metro Atlanta, y'all. Yeah, well... Ritter did not look so great this weekend, uh, nor did the Falcons in general. Michael Ronquillo coming in saying, Good morning, Nick and Scott on Broncos for breakfast. Go Broncos. And a buckum to you, Michael. Hope you're doing well. Always good to hear from you. Hope you didn't miss me too much yesterday. Mm-hmm. I saw that Colin said, No, Nick, Monday works well. Well, I guess I'm going to be gone more Monday, Scott. Sorry about that. Sorry about your voice. Eric Weber coming in here saying, Good morning, Nick and Scott in Broncos country. How many players do we get back this week and which ones? Do you think we might find any help in free agent for the D? I think your reinforcements are going to be mostly guys you have coming back uh sounds like simmons was close this week uh, we'll see about uh, josie jewel i think those two being back would be be, be very big uh, i think Quan williams i think Quan williams is a ways out from my understanding unless he was practicing you have news on that scott but i thought his injury was like potentially like it could be season ending but maybe we get him back at the end that was the level of injury that yeah, I, I don't they they all start to run together that if unless i'm studying each one individually right before then so i'll look that up and i will study that one before you see us again on thursday i'll, I'll make sure I know on each of those guys, I'm waiting for the injury reports too, mm-hmm. uh, for this week. And we hit on a lot of these, Eric, just, uh, thank you for, thank you for the stars. Yeah. Uh, but any free agency help for the defense, um, for this year? No. I mean, you can bring in, if guys aren't on teams at this point, if they're still free agents, how much help, they're not going to be difference makers. Difference makers are playing football right now, or they're at least on a roster somewhere and they're, they're injured. Um, can you get better? Yes, I can do better than Fabian Moreau at, with someone. Um, Darren Hall was just cut off the practice squad of the uh, Indianapolis Colts. I'd rather have him. I watched them both with the Falcons. I'd rather have Darren Hall than Fabian Moreau. Yes, you can get better, but Darren Hall's still not going to come in and be a difference maker um, yeah. for, for your for your team. So uh, it, it's tough. It, we're we're to the place where rosters are fairly well solidified and now you're just trying to plug gaps if there's an injury uh appreciate you coming in eric gary palmer good to see you my friend he says good morning nick and scott you may have already addressed this but we won with our backups on d it's kind of been the theme this morning hasn't it gary we'll be much better when the regulars get back go broncos and broncos for breakfast for life and that's where it comes into you worry just how much better can it be with the same guy out there calling plays. Now you won't be going against the Miami Dolphins every week when they're on a heater, but a lot of those guys that we've talked about being missing were out there. There were several of them that were out there when you played against the Dolphins, including Jewel, including Simmons, right up the spine of that defense. Um, Simmons didn't play. Simmons didn't play. You're correct. Sorry no, about that. Jewel was out like after the first quarter Yeah, as well. 
but okay, yeah, so no, it got so. bad, but that started bad and it got ugly. Yeah. Um, thank you, Nick. Yeah. So, but you still worry about who's calling the plays when those guys come back, when they come back in piecemeal. It'd be nice to get all six of them back at one time. Um, but there's still concerns. As we said, again, it's just that there's not one fix. That's that's kind of what we've been harping on. There's not just one fix. Oh, if we just changed this one thing, there's an institutional problem with the defense right now. It's It's not just one thing. But yes, we are looking forward to getting players back. It'll absolutely help. Yeah, of course. Systemic failure for the Broncos. And one thing too is it's been funny over the years, the Broncos have been pretty bad on offense and everybody's screaming, you know, you got to use your first pick on a defense or an offensive player because the offense is bad. Well, the sometimes the board doesn't set up where the guy you got to take is a player that at a spot that you need to do it. And this year, it's where the Broncos are probably picking in the top 10. It's probably going to be offensive tackles and wide receivers as the positions of value and everybody's going to be screaming defense point to me, the defensive player that deserves a top 10 pick in this class outside of Dallas Turner at Alabama. I don't, I don't, I don't see one that I'd put a top 10 grade on right now. I don't think it's a very good blue chip player at the defensive side of the ball. We're on offense. It's loaded. Uh, so that's just might be the way it goes for this one. And you'll have, hopefully have a good player, but uh, we'll see. That's a long ways off just yet. Uh, but a little sneak peek there with the draft coming up. Talking about Alabama, though. Bama X in the house saying, good morning, Broncos country. Good to see you. Hope you're doing well. I got Aaron Wagner saying, not going to lie, I'm kind of sad for Denver to be out of the running for Williams. They're not out of the running just yet. Uh, this is You have a lot of season to go. If the Broncos beat the Jets, I think you can squarely say that they're out of the running for uh, probably even, I would say, a top three pick at that point if you win that Jets game. Uh, but if they lose that Jets game, they're in the may williams marvin harrison jr sweepstakes uh, without a doubt in my mind they just one win against and, and a pretty crazy win i mean the broncos win this game because of a defensive fumble return for touchdown and they win what th- final score 31 28 defensive points are pretty fluky you cannot bet on those and the broncos went into chicago in a comeback and won off of that they were not a very good team on sunday against a pretty bad team so they're definitely still in the caleb williams sweepstakes hey gang Make Little Caesars the official pizza sponsor of the NFL part of your game day. You know how it is watching the Broncos. To say the least, you work up a bit of an appetite. But you can get ahead of that by ordering online during our Pizza Pizza pregame, one hour before and three hours after NFL kickoffs, plus all day Sunday, and get ready for some football and fun. Choose your favorite Little Caesars pizza or Pick the toppings you crave. Either way, you win. Personally, I'm a big fan of Little Caesars plain cheese pizza, but my favorite for what it's worth is the pepperoni with stuffed crust. And speaking of winning, everyone scores with convenient delivery or our in-store pizza portal pickup. So grab some friends and enjoy a few slices during the game. Yeah. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. 
Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. It's it's not over. Um, you know, that said, when we start talking about some of these these players coming back and the direction of the team, the next six weeks are gonna be tough, just based on the schedule. I'm looking at this, I'm like, does this feel like a a five hundred team? After the next few games, it kind of feels like that. So I was like, okay, what are your expectations? You know, I saw what you titled this, Nick. I'm like, what are your expectations? I'm like, my expectations are basically two and seven, three and six after nine, and then 500 the rest of the way, where you're splitting those games, which puts you at six and six and 11 on the season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you go four and five or, the, or four and four on the last eight, six and 11, seven and 10, and that's going to put you right at the cusp of top 10. Yeah. I'd probably put the, the over under for the Broncos wins going f- uh, for the season now at about 5.5. That's probably the line I would set because it does get a lot. Six. That's pretty close. Yep. So I think four to six uh, is about the range uh, that I would expect, considering how tough the schedule gets and uh, just the incompetency of the defense. But be interesting. But they're definitely not out of the running of Williams yet. If uh, they lose versus the Jets, they are very much in it. I mean, we'll see. Uh, the Bears looked like they had life yesterday. Was that just because the Broncos' defense is that bad? Uh, the sample size gets broader. We'll have a better idea. David Bishop says, good morning, everybody. Good to see you. Dr. Van Nostrand coming in saying, man, Devon Weatherspoon looked really good last night. Seattle should be thanking us every day. Also saw the Drew Locke to Noah Fant touchdown as well. Uh, They end up winning that game against a lifeless-looking Giants team. My God, the Giants look horrible. Uh, But, uh, yeah, Seattle uh, Broncos, part of the reason that the the defense is so bad is probably because of the trade for Russell Wilson in the contract. So it's kind of like we we can't blame Russell Wilson for the offense or the defense falling apart, but you kind of can. But Seattle did well with the move. Probably neither team is going to win a Super Bowl in Russell Wilson's, the rest of Russell Wilson's career. Uh, So maybe it's a negligible move in the grand scheme of things. But yeah, the Seahawks look pretty good out there. And uh, it was kind of funny to see Drew Locke to uh, Noah Fant for that touchdown. Yeah, and and speaking of contracts, um, you know, last year we were talking about Daniel Jones possibly being on the move, and we were saying, yeah, he's a feels like about a twenty million dollar guy, <laughs> just because the the league barometer. Yep. Yeah, and uh, you know, he got a much better deal for that. That that said, it's not quite as bad as I thought it was. You know, the reported numbers. The reported mm-hmm. numbers are he signed a four year, one hundred and sixty million dollar contract. You know what his actual money really is on that it's it's more like uh it's 92 million guaranteed so it's three and 90 which he they can get out of it after three years for the most part with a dead cap hit it's not quite as bad but he's got a monster cap hit next year Mm. Um, but then he can then he can work with it after year three so it's about half of what was reported uh which is fairly typical so it's not quite as debilitating as you know you first hear when it's like 40 a year? No, no, no. Like Randy Gregory, 70 million. He'll, he'll see less than 30 of that. Mm-hmm. And you can move on. Um, they say they say uh, the NFL salary cap is a myth. Do you know why? Because the contracts are mythical. That's mm-hmm. why. Yep. 
We got Donald oh, Donald Wilson. Didn't want to say hello to you, buddy. Good to see you. Good morning, Broncos country. Always good to see our guy DWGA in the house. U.S. Dave's in here. Buenos dias, gentlemen. Good to see you, U.S. Dave. Miguel Santa Steven saying good morning, fellas. Jay in here saying it's funny. Last night, Scott ended the podcast yesterday morning with how he fans and started the one uh, last night with how he fans. Well, how does a Scott fan? All right, because I had two different. It was by myself, and then mm-hmm. I was with uh, – with uh, Zach yesterday, and he kind of got a similar question about what are the what are the takes, what are the positives to take away? And frankly, for me, one of the positives was that the team didn't give up. You know, I've I've watched teams that quit, yeah. and my thought as a fan was, if they don't care, why should I? You know, yeah. and that doesn't make me any worse of a fan. It makes me not a fan of these players. These players are not playing for the badge. That's we call it. They're not playing for Broncos country. So the hell with them. These guys did. These guys played hard. They, they, they. I'm not going to blame a guy for not being good enough. And if Delarian Turner Yell is out there and he's getting torched, whose fault is that? It's not his fault. I mean, if he's out there putting forth effort. Now, as Jeremy says, when he blows three assignments and then gets up and pounds his chest after a tackle, I have a problem with that. <laughs> That's different. But um, no, I, I think you can, you can be proud of the team for coming back and showing some fire and playing for the the helmet, playing for the sticker, playing for the Broncos and playing for you Yeah, and respect them for at least, or, you know, support them at least a little while longer before you go out and you're blowing snow or raking leaves. And I, I got to say, um, I don't know any of the, you know, these players personally, you know, I've talked to a good bit of them, but I don't know them personally, but like seeing, you know, the end game interception yesterday and then them celebrating. I mean, this is a win that they desperately needed. And I mm-hmm. felt like monkey off my back for them for getting that win. I mean, emphatic uh, comeback win there, but it's uh, it's tough to go and be that bad and put all that work in and then see the product like they've had. And uh, the fact that they came back, fought back, didn't lay down and die, uh, I respect them for that. I mean, maybe they're not a overly talented bunch overall. I mean, there's a lot of holes, a lot of injuries right now, but uh, was happy to have them get a win. And no doubt in my mind, they're not thinking about any tanking or anything. They're focused on hopefully still enjoying that uh, Bears win a little bit and focusing on the Jets. And if they beat the Jets, you know, maybe things will uh, things will change from there. I don't have a lot of uh, optimism for the team uh, based on what we've seen so far. And we can start to pivot into that conversation as well, Scott, even though we've kind of danced around it a bit. Uh, but uh, happy for them to get the win. Also happy for Rob Bucksbaum coming in and supporting the show. $5. Thank you so much, Rob. He says, good morning, Nick and Scott. Optics of Judy Smack talk uh, to the team. Rod Smith is a legend. Lindsay is a pro bowl and Judy hasn't hit a thousand yards. I must've missed this smack talk to the team. Uh, did he just, did he crap talk him? But what, what is this about? I didn't, I didn't see it either. Oh, you know, and it oh. hasn't, it hasn't been mentioned. Uh, and I've been here. This is the first time I've heard it mentioned in the fourth Broncos podcast I've done in the last 30 hours. Uh, yeah. first time. So, but you know, Jerry Judy's, he's a hothead. You, you take the good with the bad. How good is the good, and is it worth keeping for the fifteen million dollars that's coming his way, plus you know another contract? Those are the kind of things mm-hmm. you have to start deciding. A year ago, we we're like, no way do you pick up his option. No way. Finish strong, you pick up his option. Six months later, you're like you have to pick up his option, even if it's mm-hmm. to trade him for something, you pick up his option. So he's been on a little bit of a roller coaster. It kind of matches his personality too. He's fiery. He's passionate, uh, and he's he's talented. As, does the talent good enough to warrant what you're paying him and maybe the possible distractions you see 
that's a question that they're going to have to ask and uh, answer in the offseason. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Rob, uh, if somebody has that in there, hit us up after the fact. I uh, feel like we owe you a comment here, but I don't know exactly um, exactly what it said. Yeah, this is a uh, – here we go. Clyde comes in and says, Lindsay tweeted all that money and nothing from receivers. Do you tweet it? At least you get to watch from the crib. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I, I don't have a big deal about what Lindsay said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, don't I got have no problem issue. with that. Play better. Uh, go out there. I mean, you can be a big man, but, uh, you know, go out there and make some plays. So yeah, uh, that, that reeks of jealousy. Yep. You know, that's a guy, that's a guy who would rather be out there playing and he's not that reeks of jealousy. Yep. Smack talk away. Um, go out there. I mean, he's got a duty needs to be focusing on his play on the field because he's got a chance for a big contract coming up here. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I don't have an issue with it, uh, all around Jamal Killings morning Broncos country, Denver Broncos for life. We got our guy Gatorade gaming coming in saying good morning, Nick and Scott. What's good Broncos country robot of doom coming in over on Twitch says morning gents going to be a tough one this week. How bad or good does Zach Wilson look against this defense? Cause there's no D Oh, the fence. Cause there's no D in it. Um, I think he made a joke on that. I can't really tell, but uh, yeah, this is Zach Wilson. I don't know how much you talked about the, uh, uh, the chiefs or I caught the chiefs uh, this week, but the chiefs jets, Zach Wilson actually looked okay against the chiefs defense had been playing well. Uh, I don't know. I still think it's, he's probably going to crash a little bit, but uh, I think the defense will look okay against Zach Wilson. My biggest concern is the jets defensive line versus the Broncos offensive line and the Broncos offense, you know, puttering around for, after the script, have the Broncos scored a touchdown on every single opening drive this year so far? I don't know. <laughs> okay. I feel like they have, um, and then they absolutely go flatline after I don't think that. They scored on their first one this year. Did they go right down and score again? Because they went like 30 straight games without scoring an opening drive touchdown. And now have they gone four in a row? They've been unbelievable in opening drives this year. Um, from what I have, what I can remember. I could be off on that, but uh the dichotomy, dichotomy of how good they were. First, Miguel Santa Stevens is not against Miami. Okay, I, I believe that. Um, I was actually doing the power outage for the beginning of that game, so I missed the first quarter, so it's kind of a blur. Uh, but uh, that is, uh, they've been really good in the opening script and flatline. We can't have a flatline this week against the Jets because uh, the defense is too good. This will be the most talented defense the Broncos have gone against this season. So uh, should be interesting. I do think, you know, you do have some faith, though, in Peyton uh, to find some weaknesses and scheme that, but... They need to put up some points. But it was. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. It was three, all three in the other game. I just, just checked them. You know, it'd be like field goal, punt, possession, touchdown. Pretty good. Starting pass isn't the problem, is it? No, not at all. Not at all. <clears throat> yeah, we uh, 
Good comment there. We also got Philip Hagenson. Good morning, everyone. Not the best performance, but I'll take the win. Of course you do. Of course you got to take the win. Colin, <laughs> Colin loves my acronyms. No DBA, no VJ, no EPA. Uh, well, it's SMH, right? Uh, smack my head. Uh, we got uh, Benjamin FML. Flores. Come, yeah. Benjamin Flores saying, uh, can't believe I watched 21 point comeback by this team. Haven't seen something like that longer than I can remember. Broncos had a really good comeback with Drew Locke against the Chargers. It was either Drew Locke's, I think, sophomore campaign in Denver, but it wasn't 21 points. I uh, haven't seen something like that in longer than I can remember. I don't care if it was the Bears. It's still the NFL. I'm feeling all right against the Jets. If we can get our signal callers back, maybe Browning and Kawan too. Let's go. I haven't heard anything about Kawan, but again, my understanding was he was going to be out for a bit. Uh, maybe you get Browning back. I think the bigger ones will be you need Purcell out there because you need somebody to eat up things and free up DJ Jones a tad. Uh, you need Josie Jewell. You need Justin Simmons. I think those are the three biggest ones on the list when I'm thinking about it over uh, without like having it the list in front of me. Yeah, I want to hit on uh, Wicked Royalty here. Colorado kid, back-to-back 2,000-yard seasons. Pro Bowl is rookie year. Judy, hmm, I don't see the jealousy there, pal. All right, pal. What he put he in the smiley face. He, he, it's it's uh, it's fine. <laughs> what was he talking about, though? He's talking, talking about, about playing in the league. Yeah. Career earnings. $5 million for Philip Lindsay. And now he's out of the league because he's on a practice squad. And he's taking shots at current players. Well, he's not a practice squad anymore. He works Denver radio. Okay. So he's, he's okay. So he wasn't he just take, he wasn't just taking shots. He's actually getting paid to take shots now. Yes. Yep. I didn't realize he'd been hired on this. All right. So be it. I don't have an issue um, with either side. Both of them. Yeah. Both of them. Judy should, shouldn't be doing this like you're saying, yeah. but Okay, that changes that changes my opinion on this. If he was if he was out there, um, yeah, he was hired by one hundred four point three. Yeah, well, then he's getting yeah. he's getting paid to say stuff like that to to come yeah. up with with those kind of points. These guys are are making a bunch of money. They're not making any plays as an analyst. So be it. I yep. retract. Diamond Rattler, boom, let's go. Good to see you, Diamond. Um, we appreciate you. Uh, we got Conga saying so excited for the game Sunday. Excited as well. I mean, Broncos beat that Jets team. And the Packers all of a sudden look pretty, you know, beatable as well. I mean, things can happen. Uh, so we're going to see what happens. Arlie Tucker says, great analysis, gentlemen. You found the wrong show, but we appreciate the comment, uh, Arlie. <laughs> Hope you're doing well. <laughs> um, always appreciate you coming in and saying hello. And to everybody coming in here and saying hello. We got money more coming in with the Sham Wow guy. I always love the picture saying, always considered VJ to be below average. But this is just a historically bad defense. Yeah, I mean, again. I was thinking we were piling a little bit too much on VJ, even though he is certainly a big part of the problem, not all on him, but the defense I think is lacking talent, but are they one of the worst defenses in NFL history as the first four games show? Probably not. And what does that come to, to me coaching? I mean, you're not maximizing your players here. You don't have, you shouldn't have to have pro bowlers, all-stars at every single spot to have a competent defense. If they were at bottom 10, we might be like, that's, that's the talent level I see on the defense but not the worst in the NFL, historically bad. Can Chicago beat you with 13 play drives? Yeah. I don't think they can. They almost did in that last touchdown they scored. But, <laughs> but what quarter. happens with Chicago? Fell apart. Turnovers. Mistakes. Yeah. They're going to have a false start. They're going to have a hold. They're going to have a, a turnover. That's why they are the Chicago Bears right now. That's why they have lost so many games. Yeah. So – when you're running a 
seven-man front by stepping your two linebackers into that and then dropping four guys deep into coverage. It'll leave in that entire middle of the field wide open, and you can't get any pressure. Why Chicago went away from rollout pockets and drag routes, I'll never know. I'll never yeah. know. But it, it's killing the Broncos right now. It's absolutely killing them. They do not trust their ability to stop the run without seven guys at the line of scrimmage. And that's that's killing the Broncos with along with the injuries in the backfield. That's okay. The otherwise. Yeah. It's uh, been interesting. It's just tough. I mean, they don't have enough winners up front to get pressure without blitzing. And when they blitz, somebody gets picked on in the back end. It's a never ending cycle of not enough talent. Uh, Kevin Vigil. Can we just be happy for the win? This is the most toxic I've seen our fan base in media in a long time. I don't know. I feel like it's a lot of the, uh, some of the end of the drew lock era was pretty damn toxic. Uh, this is just, you know, hands up in the air. Uh, as far as happy about the win, yeah. I mean, I, if somebody was, you know, upset about it because they think that this is a bad team still and wants Caleb Williams, I get it. Uh, but wins are hard to come by in the NFL, even against the Bears. And uh, arguing about, you know, the Broncos is much better than, you know, politics and government shutdown crap. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I guess if this is the type of toxicity we're in for, it's, it's, uh, it could be worse. So, uh, and, and I'm enjoying the win. Brandon Williams says we cannot lose to the Jets. Yes, if you lose to the Jets, um, it's time to talk about absolutely trading everybody. Don't be fooled by the Bears game. Uh, Sean Payton says to Payton, or says to George Payton, dial up the phones. These guys are getting moved. I don't care what it is. We are freeing up some cap space. You're getting me a 2025 seventh round pick, but that contract's off the books. Giggity, we're doing that. Uh, <laughs> so uh, that's. Uh, I think that's probably the reality if you end up losing to that Jets team. It might even be something that's worth doing before the Chiefs game because then you don't, then you don't have those excuses and the bad tape out there that would be that uh, that Chiefs game. You go you go to the Jets. I mean, well, not the Jets. I'm saying on the schedule you go to the Jets. The Jets are at home. It's a home game. At Chiefs, Packers at home, Chiefs again at Bills, Vikings, Browns at Texans at Chargers at Lions. Ugh. Those Texans. Man, the Texans, yeah, the Texans are coming, y'all. The Texans have back-to-back -back really good wins for a young team that is starting to feel its oats a little bit. And CJ Stroud looks really good. Hey, can I get a little bit of a okay, Nick? Because I got a lot of crap in here, not from you, but just in general about D'Amico Ryan's. And I'm like, that's a dude. I would. <laughs> he was my number. He was my number uh, three coach candidate for this team. I think Denver maybe liked him over Sean Payton. We'll never know for sure, but. Uh, a lot of you can't go with the first time head coach again in a defensive one. Just get a good guy in there. And uh, D'Amico has, I mean, what Houston's just been horrible for for a few years now. And man, he has them humming. Yeah, they're they're definitely on the way up. All those some of those that you pencil in is okay. You should win this. Um, you know the Bears should win. Mm -hmm. You did okay, mm -hmm. but the first two the first two games, mm -hmm. ugh. You know if you're you're three and one right now and you're not playing all that great. And you win that game, you're like, all right, we're three and one. We're still feeling pretty good. Instead, it's you know one and three, and you're like, yay, we won. That's <laughs> the know? NFL, though, right? The margins in the NFL. You're so close yeah. to being either of those teams all the time. I get it. And talking about the toxicity, I don't, I don't actually think it's that toxic. I think there's more of an acceptance right now that this is there's change coming. You know, not okay. How come this quarterback isn't playing over this one and Vic Fangio this and. Um, it's the, the, I don't think the fan base, when I think of the fan base being toxic, I think it being as divided and turning on each other. I don't, I don't really seeing this happen. The, the bigger debate right now is, is there enough talent on defense or is it, 
you know, how far do I swing the pendulum in in favor of Joseph versus uh, talent? The, the talent. That's that's about it. That's about as toxic as it gets. I, I don't I don't think it's really toxic in here at all. Actually, yeah, it's both. <laughs> Troy Bauer coming in and talking about the defense. Uh, how do you distinguish between poor defensive communication and the wrong scheme? The former can be due to young players. Could be guys you know rotating in and out as well. Uh, really it'd be hard to answer this definitively unless you are in the room knowing what the calls are and the assignments are for each of these. Um, like you can go back and watch the, the Miami game, for example, how much of it is wrong scheme or defense communications. A lot of that Miami game is guys not executing their assignment. I mean, how many times does Randy Gregory get up field and get crack back blocked against river Craycraft on a uh, outside toss? I mean, you think the first, after it happened one time, you'd be like, okay, I got my head on a swivel now. A little 5'10 wide receiver is not going to block me out. Happened like three plays in a row. It was unbelievable. I've never seen anything like that in the NFL game. Uh, but uh, I think it's a little bit of uh, everything there. It's just really, it would be hard to answer this without actually knowing what the calls are and knowing what the assignments are. And I'm a firm believer in the, the, the KISS philosophy. Keep it simple, stupid, especially with young players. When I hear college guys, when I covered college and you hear these Defensive coordinators, offensive coordinators are so full of themselves. Talking about kids with limited practice, they got they, they're allowed to practice more in college in the NFL now. I think, especially live, you're not allowed to do. And they talk about, well, we're only using a quarter of our playbook because it's this thick and it's so complex. Man, this is football. So, mm-hmm. choice for me, part of the defensive communication is the scheme, is keeping it simple so people know what they're doing and they're not confused with their assignments. And if you start getting beat, so be it. But being able to communicate what you want them to do is what coaching is, mm-hmm. you know, whether they can go out and do it then becomes a different discussion. But when I see seven guys moving forward and wrapping Justin Fields, it's like, okay, we're going to make him beat him with the arm. Well, I got a free guy running right across 15 yards. Yep. Their tailback can make that throw. That's, that's, that's scheming. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's scheming. The, the, the question you asked though, Nick, is it scheming because of lack of personnel? I don't care about your lack of personnel. You can't leave a 15-yard cushion between gap over the middle of the field. Can't do it. Yeah. <sighs> Guys biting down on plays. Uh, it's, some, it's some ugliness out there, but it, it's a little bit of everything. I mean, I don't think the scheme is great. I think the communication's poor. I think the talent's poor. Uh, and they're also extremely injured. I mean, it's just it's a positive feedback loop of not great. Um, but Mark Schrader's great. He says, good morning, Nick and Scott. Good to see you. Our guy, Greg Smith. Aloha feel like I uh, always love to say hello to Greg. Hope you're doing well. Good morning, Broncos for breakfast, Denver Broncos for life. And some positives coming in here. M- Monica says, Mims, 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 can we see more? Did Sean take the defense after screaming at Vance? Sean definitely did not take over the defense. Uh, but, uh, yeah, how about Marvin Mims? Uh, big game for Marvin Mims. And the one that I come away with just so impressed with in this game, Jaleel McLaughlin, uh, some of his – and we knew he was fast, but his ability to – down throttle and then pick up speed again in open space. I mean, they talk about it like being on a dime. Some of that I had to like go back and watch multiple times because the his ability to change direction looked like he kind of broke physics there for a second. I mean, it's not as impressive as like when like a 220 pound guy does it because he's small and that's and there's a reason he's not getting 20, 30 touches a game, but uh, pretty damn impressive. That guy needs to get the ball more. Uh, really excited to see what he can do. Yeah, there aren't many guys at any weight that can change directions like that. Um, Ew, I was like, holy, <laughs> some of them were unbelievable. <laughs> there was a player, I think he ended up with the Steelers. He played with the Florida Gators named Chris Rainey. He was about 160 mm-hmm. pounds. 
track. And I said, Chris was only about a four or five guy at the time, you know, when he was in high school. But the thing is, is he could run a four or five this way, this way, this way, this way. He, he's one of those. There's another one. If you ever want to go down the rabbit hole, type in Noel Divine into YouTube. Mm -hmm. The guys that can accelerate while they are moving, while they are changing directions, they look like downhill skiers. They yeah. can plant a foot and accelerate out of it while they're still going forward. They, they look like downhill skiers. Those are the kind of guys that really get your attention as running backs. And Jaleel McLaughlin is one of those guys. You mentioned Mims, and you keep wondering, when is this? When's it going to happen? 16 snaps from a Jaleel McLaughlin. 17 for Marvin Mims. I want to see that number in the 30s at least for Mims. If it's just one running back out there, okay, you're playing one running back and he's third in line, okay. But you got three wide receivers out there, sometimes five. Hmm. Get him out there, man. Figure figure out a way. Figure figure out a way to 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 take advantage of him. Because if I look at snap counts, Jerry Judy had thirty. Little Jordan Humphrey only had ten. Um, Cortland Sutton had forty. Brandon Johnson had seventeen. Marvin Nims had seventeen. You know, I I just feel like there's there's room for a bigger role in this offense for him. The thing is, it's it's still a tight end heavy offense. Overall, I think is the uh, the biggest takeaway because you have uh, our guy Chris Manhurts, twenty one total snaps, getting more snaps than Marvin Mims Jr. Uh, the one thing I will say is that this team, if it is having some roster turnover this season, I think the wide receiver position you, you'll still have to add to it some. But like, let's say your number one next year in theory is Judy, followed then by Mims two, and then Brandon Johnson three, and you know you can add another rookie or a depth piece in there to compete for that three four spot. I think if it's this team is still as tight end heavy as they've looked so far, even with the injuries at tight end, um, you can probably get away with that. So Mims, I'd love to get him more out there right now, but I think for the long term uh, perspective, you should be pretty excited about that and the fact that he's hit so emphatically. You have an answer there. I don't think he'll ever be a number one. I don't know if he has the ability in the short route area in the uh, contested, you know, the tough middle of the field area to be that guy. It doesn't have to be, doesn't but I think he'd be, be number one. Yeah. doesn't have to, but I think he can be a very good number two uh, out there. I think that's the direction he's trending uh, and an explosive guy as well, which explosive plays are, I mean, outside of scoring points themselves. I think there's nothing more important for an offense than scoring uh, era explosive plays. And Mims is an explosive play highlight reel. So I uh, feel pretty good about the wide receiver room long-term with him in there. And I think in the short term too, if you move on from Cortland Sutton, you can probably survive there. You need to get a little bit more dynamism from your tight end spot with if you're going to be this tight end centric. Uh, but that's a that's an offseason discussion for sure. Yeah, and hopefully Dulcich is part of that as a big wide receiver. You know, even if he's not in line, if I'm going to put six on the line all the time, he might not be one of those guys with his hands in the dirt. He might be he can still be out there and and contributing if and when he gets healthy. The problem is, is we when we start talking about these guys that are now in their second, third years of injury problems. You, but I, I can't really talk it's about them are. saying, oh, when he gets back, then what? How long before he's out again? Yeah. You know, I, I can't count on those guys. I can't trust those guys. WCH first, no fear says, good morning, Nick and Scott, all of Broncos country. That's all y'all. What positions, in your opinion, are the most important and valuable in today's modern NFL? Quarterback, edge, offensive tackle, elite wide receiver, shutdown cornerback? What do you think, Nick? Good players. I, I agree with the position. Um, it's just the most important in today's NFL. I would actually probably put an elite wide receiver over an offensive tackle. 
and I would lump a uh, number two, I would just put pass rusher because I'm going to clump together interior defensive line with edge. You need a true defensive line uh, difference maker. It doesn't have to be edge edges just because of how they are schemed and where they are in the field, have a better opportunity to make splash plays because they can go around, right? Rather than trying to go through and it's a little harder because you can get double teamed. Uh, but for me, quarterback, pass rusher, probably then elite wide receiver. And then I would go uh, offensive tackle cornerback cluster together. But I think an elite wide receiver, uh, just how much they control uh, scheming, you get automatic offense from them. Uh, and also you can follow the contracts too. The top wide receivers get paid more than the top cornerbacks and top offensive tackles. So I would go with elite wide receiver first, follow the money. I, I think the hardest one of these to get honestly at this point right now is edge. I swear they're the hardest ones to get that dominant, dominant guy. When we start talking about who are the really, truly dominant edge guys, I feel like you can only come up with like four or five names. Well, give me, give me a shot here because I feel like it's harder to find the truly incredible interior defensive lineman to the quality of the edges. But like I, I but think even those guys, I mean, Aaron Donald's an exception. Even those guys aren't as valuable as the edges to me. Um, uh, if I had the, the choice, I can do it. It's like a guard. A dominant guard is really good to have. But I'd rather have the the edge guy can make an, a, a more more of an impact. Wide receivers, I feel like, are overvalued. I, I really do. There's twenty of them that'll have a thousand yards. You know, it's. I mean, you can tell they're the glamour position. The, the quarterbacks used to be the prima donnas of the NFL. That changed in probably twenty years ago. And it's really the wide receivers. I, I think wide receiver. It's the easiest position to get production from relative to talent, Nick. I I kind of agree with you, but I think a lot of that is more scheme and just the way of the That's NFL versus. Though. I can scheme a guy. I mean, but you I can also scheme a guy's about... sacks. Like Malik Reed had like six sacks multiple years in a row, and now he's not even in the league. You know, it's just the opportunity because uh, somebody's going to have to make some stats, right? Like it's just if you're out there, you're going to have a chance. It's a, uh, it's a good discussion. And the, the fact of the matter is a game changer doesn't have positional value. <laughs> yeah. If I've got a game changer, he's worth a lot of money. And if you look at the very top of the pay charts, the quarterbacks are getting paid the most. After that, the top two or three guys are all 20 plus million dollars. Where I start looking down is who's 15th? How much is the 15th highest paid guy at a position make? Uh, and you can see you can see the drop off there. Um, the 15th wide receiver is still pretty highly paid. That's because the position is highly paid, but at the edge, there's a drop off interior line. There's 22 at the top. And then the 30th guy is making two. Um, I have a question based on one of the comments here. Uh, let me see if I can find it again. Cause I'm afraid my, so Justin says, who is Vance Johnson? Well, Vance Johnson was a guy I grew up with at the Denver Broncos from 12 to, let's see, I was 22, who's a hell of a wide receiver. And if I call Vance Joseph Vance Johnson, I apologize in advance and don't be surprised. The VJ with the Denver Broncos stuck in this old brain of mine is this guy, Vance Johnson. So I don't think I did, but it wouldn't surprise me if I do moving forward. Yeah. And uh, just to see some interesting comments here in the chat. I, I think the offensive line is more valuable than the skill position guys, but it's the unit versus the singular talent. Mm -hmm. Give me three B's and two C's in the offensive line and give me one A plus and two D's at wide receiver. And we're cooking baby. Um, I just need that one 
godly wide receiver, and that can be that can function a whole offense. Uh, but for a def- if you have three A's and two F's on your offensive line, your offensive line is not going to be good because it, those guys to, it makes me feel good. I can fix fix this with one guy. Yeah, you know, and those guys are rare. I mean, again, the game changer type out there. If I can throw up, you know, AJ Green, Julio Jones, Larry Fitzgerald. Um, who's the guy out of my Andre Johnson is a incredibly over, over underranked, underappreciated wide receiver played in Houston for so long, I believe. Um, then, you know, those guys are, those guys are fairly rare. The problem is, is you see seven or eight guys get taken in the first round at wide receiver and there's guys two through five that end up having just as good a careers. That, that's true everywhere. But I, I just feel like the wide receiver position is overvalued right now where it's, it's fairly easy to find the guy six foot that can run a four, four and catch a ball. Those, those aren't that uncommon anymore. I think it's easy to find threes and fours, mm-hmm. but if you can find yourself a true number one, I think that it makes a huge difference for your offense overall. Uh, those guys are going to be valuable. I mean, there's a reason that Marvin Harrison jr is probably going to go number three. Uh, just, you know, if you can have that true playmaker, I mean, heck we can even look across to uh Colorado right now, right? Like Deion uh, Sanders is trying to build that Buffalo's team outside in, which is an interesting uh, way because typically teams haven't been built that way. And I mean, they, I know they lost USC, but what was it? The only by one score at home against USC. I and mean, that's a pretty good show out by Buffalo. So uh, again, college is different than the NFL, of course, but uh, it's, it's always a fun debate. And in the end, it's about getting good players and maximizing the guys that you get and making sure they hit above what you pay them, which the Broncos, the last two seasons, especially on free agency, they've paid more than they've gotten. What it comes down to, and I think Nick and I will agree with this, is, you know, they say best player available, which to me is, you know, that's, that's, it's an anomaly. It's, it's impossible. You, you really can't get the best player available, maybe the best prospect available. That at least means the future. And I'm guessing, yep. but if I'm up to draft in the top five, Need is not my first concern. I want the prospect I think that's the best, who I think is the best prospect at a position of need. And it's almost tiebreakers coming down. Okay. These two guys are tied on my board at three. This one's a safety scratch. This one's an edge and a corner. Which one do I need more right now? And and then it becomes if if I've got if I'm equal then then need would be my third tiebreaker because position of value and talent across the position needs are fairly equal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I'm setting up a draft board. Yep. And we got some po- so positives in this game. Some of the young guys uh, have been stepping up some uh, from the recent additions on the team. And somebody really stood out this week. I want to give a shout out, even though the defense has been bad in this unit, could certainly use some more talent, but. Uh, the tag team of Jonathan Cooper and Nick Benito making some good plays here. And then uh stat here from Peter Loria saying Nick Benito entire uh, number 10, in the NFL and sacks is here. Great splash specialist. He will start because our starters suck. I am at the point right now where the Broncos, you know, get a future 2025 for Randy Gregory, especially once Browning is back and play the young guys out there because uh, you can, you're probably going to move it, Probably you're moving on from that Gregory contract. No matter what you got a glut thin of some edges, create the space, move on from him. Uh, Nick Benito, he's always going to be limited in terms of the run defense and setting the edge, but I think you live with that and kind of roll with the punches on that one uh, this season with him. So 
but that's where it's at. Scott, you did have an interesting point about some of Nick Benito's splash plays. I don't know if I want to put you in the spot too much while we're talking positives, but remember this is my third pod with the, with the Broncos crew in 24 hours. So they've heard it from me. Yeah. So (laughs) yeah, he's a, a lot of his plays were un a lot of his splash plays were unblocked. Maybe that's a credit to somewhat advanced Joseph, you know, scheming up a uh, pass rush design that leaves your fastest guy unblocked up there. Uh, But also, you know, Nick Benito, if you're going to be unblocked, that means that you have to be analyzing the play correctly, because a lot of times if you're unblocked, that means the design of the play is probably coming at you <laughs> like uh, those uh, quarterback zones or, you know, anything like that. It's if you are unblocked, it's because the, the, the mesh point is targeting you and they're going to decide what you do as the mistake. It could just be bad plays from the bears too. I digress. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, don't interrupt him. Don't interrupt him, yeah, yeah, interrupt him too know. much. Stop it. Stop it. Don't underestimate the power of incompetence. Yeah. Some of those are just blown assignments from the Chicago Bears. But, but credit Nito for having the athleticism to take yeah. advantage of those. If someone's going to present you an opportunity, he is athletic enough to take care of it. It's just just don't expect the second coming of LT because he's gotten some some big plays here. He's he's still a work in progress. He still mm-hmm. has his limitations. Um, you know, because when I started watching him, Nick, I was like, if if you get beat to the outside by Nick Benito, shame on you. You know, shame on you. He's got one way to beat guys right now, and that's with speed around the edge. Until he learns to do that, and I'm I'm shading him. I'm giving him outside shade, making him go inside of me every time. So I'm watching. Hey, there comes Nick Benito. Nice. Did he? How did he beat his guy? A little head shake, little shimmy. Hell, he wasn't blocked. Mm -hmm. That's how. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I mentioned they got away from the bootlegs. In this time, the second half, I swear their first naked bootleg was right into the teeth of Nick Benito. You know, in the first half, there were rolling pockets. You know, it was almost it was almost RPOs, uh, giving Justin Fields the option and having rolling pockets and protection. They ran a naked bootleg right into an upcoming defensive end. My God, yep. oof. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I also like Peter's comment about uh, Benito being a specialist and not a true starter. I mean, if you have a big kind of like how the uh, the Seahawks ran that defense for a number of years, where they had a Leo, I think was the name of the position where like it was like Bruce Irvin type. And then the other end was a Michael Bennett, who's like this, you know, six foot five, 270 pound tweener. <laughs> you can kind of get away with that, like four, three oh, uh, under look. I think it was under. Yeah, um, I, can, I can collapse this side of the pocket while I'm speed rushing in the backside. Yes. But uh, right now you don't have that, you know, behemoth length monster on the other end. Like, like a Cam Jordan on the other end would be unbelievable for Nick Benito's career. But uh, I think Allen should end up being that guy. Is he athletic enough? But he's strong enough. He's quick enough. Yes, where he could be that guy. And this is where we get back into scheme. Mm-hmm. Zach Allen is better than what he's shown. We've seen it. Yeah. He is. And why is he so ineffective right now? Yeah. It's all. It's also, you wonder if you have enough talent and depth on the interior defensive line that you're robbing Peter to pay Paul there. Like, do we need a bunch more snaps from uh, Harris and Henningsen and uh, Garcia out there? I I don't know, um, but um, hopefully it's something that we'll figure out long-term. The Broncos still have, you know, years of control left for both those guys. So uh, we'll see how it plays out. But finally, Scott, the question here, Broncos win this week. We've already touched about it a little bit. The definitive answer, how much do your expectations change, if at all, from a victory versus the Bears and the Broncos' first win of the season? They haven't. Not yet. Um, you know, the difference is, you're one and three instead of zero and four, but my expectations—I didn't see enough to make me go, "Okay, now things are moving." Until you start getting some of these guys back, until you start proving you can stop a decent offense, 
when it matters, like mm -hmm. good old fashioned three and outs and strangling these guys. I just don't see it. Um, can you beat the Jets? Yes. Zach Wilson is capable of being the worst quarterback in the league on any given week. They've got a really good defense. So this could be a, a low scoring game. I predicted a low scoring game from the last one because I figured there'd be enough mistakes from both teams that you'd end up kicking a bunch of field goals. There were a bunch of those, and then there were some help from the, the officials on a touchdown or two. Yeah. Um, but this one, I think it's definitely going to be a low-scoring game, and your defense is going to have to step up. And if you let Zach, uh, Zach Wilson – did I say Zach Allen earlier? He said Zach Wilson. Okay, Zach Wilson, do those rolls and fires. He'll beat you. That's, that's really all he does is throw on the run. That's about all he does effectively. So you got to find a way. I would trust my four-man front, drop seven into coverage, and make them drive the length of the field without screwing up. That yeah. is a lot to ask of a Zach Wilson-led offense. He looked good against the Chiefs this week, but as you like to say, with a small sample size, I can prove anything. Got to trust the broader sample size here with Wilson. Uh, the thing that scares me about this game is the run fits from the Broncos defense have been horrible, and we're still unsure about the health, some of the spine of the defense. I mean, Purcell, Jewel, Simmons that's that's the spine i mean you're really talking about it there and you're talking about a team that's probably going to try to in the jets try to limit the true drop back passes from wilson so it's going to be i probably a run heavy uh design and broncos i mean i just closed this, the tabs here but they've been one of the worst run defenses in the nfl too and i just have not trust their discipline and run fits uh from the defense so this is a game that they could really take the ball out of Wilson's hand and, you know, kill like they did last year. I mean, Brees Hall whipped him uh, in that before he got injured. Uh, so that's the thing that scares me. It's the run defense in this one. When you're talking run defense, when you're committing guys to the run and still bad on defense, along with uh, a plethora of injuries in the defensive backfield, what do you end up with, Nick? Mistakes. Bad defense. <laughs> yeah. Really bad defense. And that's what we've seen so far. So that's got to get better. The guys up front have to do a better job of containing the run to the best of their abilities. We've, preached from August and in July that the big bodies on the defensive line are inadequate. Mm -hmm. And I think we underestimated how much of a loss to the run defense Kawan Williams would be uh, out there because he like, can we talked about on, is yeah. I mean, the Sean yeah. Williams is, is, a, is a, a, a huge upgrade over Jonathan Harris. Yeah. Uh, without a doubt. Um, yeah, that's that's a tough one. But I mean, just like even like we said it last year, which is dark, but like your nickel cornerback in Quan Williams might have been your best edge defender, which is asinine. Um, but uh, maybe the reality of it. And they've really missed him uh, saying Bassey, you know, good for him. Undrafted free agent, uh, good plays on the ball. The run defense, man, is uh, not there. So that's going to wrap it up, guys. We've been here for so told Scott. Yeah, we probably got to wrap it up early because I got some tasks to do before heading on into work. But of course, we're here long. So thanks, everybody, so much for joining us today. Uh, oh, yeah. My final thought. Did the expectations change? No, I expected the Broncos to beat the Bears. Um, if they would lost the Bears, then my expectations would have changed to Caleb Williams, Drake May sites. Now we're in that, I think, probably six to 11 range, in my opinion, for the draft. And uh, we'll see. You beat the Jets. Things keep changing. We keep adding new data. The team isn't stagnant or static. Um, it's evolves over time. And we're going to keep following this team. And hopefully this win can spur some things going forward for the Broncos. So. 
get ex- expectations staying about the same as they were after the Miami game. Feel the same. <laughs> so appreciate everybody coming in. Scott, any final thoughts before we start to wrap yeah, up? Yeah, uh, WTH had a question. He asked it a couple yeah. times. This is one last question. What positions are the easiest and hardest to find in elite talent? And if you had to rank them, that's a conversation f- before the 55-minute mark. So I, I saw it. Uh, Nick and I will be back on my channel, youtube.com slash Scott Kennedy tomorrow. Feel free to come in and ask early. We're going to talk some Falcons and then we'll also talk draft. We love talking draft or we can hit hit us early on Thursday um, yeah. as we get into injuries and that type of stuff. So I saw it. We're just running a little short on time for a, a philosophical question like that one. We love to have those in the off season uh, as well. So appreciate everybody <laughs> coming in. Make sure you're following Scott on Twitter. Scott is at Scout Kennedy. I'm at Nick Kendall MHH. Also follow us at BFB underscore pod as as well at Mile High Huddle. Uh, if you're not following us yet on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Mile High Huddle and facebook.com forward slash Mile High Huddle pod. Uh, and as the ticker says here underneath, if you're joining us on YouTube today, please subscribe to Mile High Huddle over on YouTube, like the show and share it on all your social media platforms that can do us a heck of a lot of good. We really do appreciate all of the uh, people joining us today and contributing to the show. Uh, Scott, I know that you've always flagged a bunch. Mike Ronquillo, Troy Bauer coming in twice. Eric Weber, Gary Palmer, of course. Uh, Rob Bucksbaum's in the house. Brandon Williams, Michael Ronquillo. Uh, hopefully I didn't miss anybody there, but we really, really do appreciate that. And I see uh, Colin giving me a hard time about the larches. Uh, I'll, I'll, I guess I'll share a picture there. Um, that was me on top of a Courtney Peak there. Um, Dude, those are frameable those are awesome yeah it's i mean it's again it's more so the uh the subject matter in my yeah, opinion but you've but... got to work your ass off to get to the subject matter is a thing not everybody can just pull out their selfie cam and take a picture as they're you know driving their car sitting in traffic you had to yeah. work to get out there yeah multiple days but uh yeah it was a uh, pretty darn incredible um i did climb both those peaks there's another one those are the larches so they're like just a crazy feels like an alien planet um kind of tree out there. Cause they turn these golden color and they're super soft too. They're like feathery needles and you have about two weeks uh, to go see them and then they're gone. So uh, yeah, large madness out here. So uh, appreciate that. And uh, thanks for, uh, thanks for letting me have a day off to go out there and do that kind of stuff. So appreciate uh, you as well, Scott, for holding down the fort. Yeah. Happy to do it. Uh, look forward to talking some more. We'll see. We'll be back on Thursday to, uh, to preview a little bit of the, the jets and, Broncos. Appreciate that. Appreciate everyone coming in here. Uh, have a great rest of your Tuesday. I'll see you guys again tonight on building the Broncos with Carl, of course, but until then continue to choose kindness and compassion. And of course, go Broncos. Head on over to milehighhuddle.com for all things Broncos. Good morning, Broncos country. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.